Hello, beautiful souls, and welcome or welcome back to the Thoughts That Manifest podcast. I'm Elle, and I am a mindset and manifestation coach who aims to inspire you to awaken your mind to the limitless potential that is within you. Welcome back to another episode, guys. Courtney and I are so excited to be back here with you, and today's episode is all about victim mentality, getting out of a victim mentality without actually ignoring your emotions and your feelings, because I feel like that is definitely something that can happen is, right, I think Courtney and I were just talking about this before we hit record, but basically, I feel like there's two ways someone can go. It could either be wallowing in their pain and, you know, becoming a victim of their circumstances. I feel like I was stuck in this for like a really long time. And then another way I feel like people can go is to the point where they don't want to be a victim at all. They don't want to see themselves that way. They don't want to paint themselves as a victim. And this can lead to ignoring emotions and feelings that come up to the surface and kind of pushing that away Mm, hyper independence and all that that too which actually now that I think about it I feel like maybe I've been on two ends of the spectrum you know what I think it is is I think it's the progression of maturing like Mm -hmm. emotionally even being able to realize that at different points you've been at each end of the spectrum because I think I think most people if you really talk to them and they really like reflected they've probably been on both ends of the spectrum but yeah. The the difference I think in emotional maturity is being able to reflect it on that on that and where you were and what caused that and how you can kind of move forward. I definitely agree with that. I think it's like all part of that healing journey is really like processing because I feel like when I was stuck in the victim mentality, it was actually really hard for me to even recognize that I was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because your ego is running yeah. so wild. And it's like, oh, this terrible stuff is happening mm-hmm. to me. Why me? It seeks recognition and validation for the way that you're feeling. I feel like I feel like a lot of people who also have it have been like ignored a lot or just have never gotten like recognition tend to seek out this like victim mentality because Actually, parental. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because that <laughs> I feel like that's kind of like what happened to me. It's like when I was growing up, everything around me was basically chaotic and chaos and everybody else's problems were made to be more important than my own. So then I would seek people to acknowledge my pain and my suffering. That's why you hear like a lot of people who have a victim mentality tend to be constant like complainers or... They're always putting everything on blast. I can, I can think of scenarios in which yeah. we've both done that. Oh, yeah, exactly. I mean, together, <laughs> literally, each one of us taking turns complaining. And, you know, I also want to preface this with saying, one, we are not psychologists. We are not therapists. No. We're not licensed mm-hmm. in that. This is just basically we're speaking off of our own experience and just what we've learned on our own. We're not giving advice here. Like, don't take this as advice. It's just more so listen and do with it what you will (laughs) and we're also not shaming anybody like I don't want anybody to think we're shaming them no ultimately too like you know it's probably good if you identify with any of the things that we're talking about that both of us have been in therapy and gone to therapy and find a therapist that works for you because you know sometimes you do have to shop around for a therapist so also Mm -hmm. if you've like 
gone to therapy and didn't really enjoy it, I recommend like going back and trying to maybe find somebody else, a different therapist that might work better for you, but definitely not, not mental health professionals. Yes, exactly. exactly. Just mental health experiencers. I was also going to say too, I feel like not to, not that I'm like blaming my parents specifically, because obviously I'm an adult now and my past is my own, but I think being ignored by your parents is really difficult because that's supposed to be like your guidance and your protector. And when you're looking for that safe space and there's no, there's no path there, it's easy, I think, to start to create yourself in this false narrative of victimhood so that you can get the attention you need. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I think that was something I definitely struggled with. Well, because sometimes parents like are in such crisis mode, I think, because your life gets so chaotic when you are, it's already chaotic. Then you add in children and you get so much more chaotic in every aspect, your marriage, your finances, your home, like your to-do lists, everything. So I think when you add children, it just makes it even harder to balance everything. And if you're already kind of struggling and then you add kids into that, it just makes it worse. Right. And then you add in real life, you know, challenges like addiction, injury, loss of career, right? loss of finances, financial struggle. Unhealed childhood trauma. That too. Yep. It all just like it adds to the fire, essentially. Yeah. That generational trauma, because I was, I know this, this is like a side tangent, but I was talking to Trev about this the other day about how like, you know, people say that our generation is like soft or whatever, but I was like, why are we soft? We're soft because instead of going around the problem, we want to go through the problem because we want to find out what emotionally caused the disconnect between us and our parents and us and our processing and us and our emotional balance that we could have. Yeah. And it's like the whole concept of like not addressing your childhood trauma or your internal personal wounds and just like drinking alcohol or whatever avoidant technique like a lot of people have been using. It's like that's not healthy and it doesn't make you weak to go to therapy and figure out why you are the way that you are and how sometimes we are the way that we are because as children you're very impressionable and you're taking on the ideas and concepts that people tell you you are instead of who you really are and going on therapy and unpacking all that and redefining who you are so you're happy I don't think that makes you weak I think that makes you strong heck yes I agree and it's like, you know, when people try to put a bandaid over a really big wound or, you know, you sweep things under the rug. Well, it doesn't mean that the problem is still not there. It still exists. You just you're just not paying attention to it anymore. But it's still going to be just, there. My opinion, it always festers. And then it comes out in my personal experience with my own family. It festers and then it comes out in a giant dysfunctional physical altercation. Oh, yeah. Ignoring problems just it makes things a lot worse. And honestly, like learning about why I react the way I do to certain things and why I do things the way that I do and really unpacking that, like you said, and working through that and like reframing things and kind of like rewiring your own mind. Pretty crazy. I was watching, this is a side tangent again, but I was watching this uh, this video because, you know, AI, right? There's the whole mm-hmm. story about AI right now. Artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. But I was watching this one girl talk to this AI bot and I forget exactly what she said but essentially it was like AI, AI was telling her that she could she had she could be like whoever she wanted to be she just basically had to go in and like 
rewire the coding of the AI because she was like, can you be this for me? Or can you do that? Or like something about AI and how there's this coding to AI that you would just have to go in and like fix the coding or like mess with the coding to make it a certain way. And like as humans, that's essentially what we're doing when it comes to working through our reactions, our mindsets, we're going in to our mind, rewiring, yeah, reprogramming so that we are behaving and like reacting different ways. And when it comes to this whole victim mentality thing, I think what a lot of people struggle with is that if they're stepping, if they're choosing to step away from victim mentality, they're kind of struggling with the idea that this gives their abuser or, you know, the person who hurt them an excuse or that it makes them no longer a victim of that person. Oh, almost like they're dismissing what happened. Yes, exactly. And like, and the thing like is, if they give up their role as the victim, they're letting the person who caused whatever happened off the hook. Exactly. Hmm. Because everybody so badly wants their pain and their suffering to be validated and acknowledged. So when they're choosing to step out of victimhood, victim mentality, it's like, oh no, am I now saying that that didn't happen to me or that it's okay that they did that? that's something I struggled with personally when I was trying to step away from victim mentality. And what I've realized is that it doesn't, it doesn't excuse anything that that person might have done to me. But what it is saying is that I'm acknowledging the fact that, you know, that that happened, but essentially I can't control it. The only thing I can control is my response. Plus I like, I I feel like it's like recognizing too that you're more you're as an individual you're more than that one experience yes that too absolutely and you know it's not your fault ever that something shitty happened to you I but- also think there's like a toxic trait where like people who aren't necessarily ever a, a real victim of like something traumatic who are just either narcissistic or like just what I would call what I classify as like a super manipulator and I've seen it in many different settings where they typecast themselves they look for any way to typecast themselves as someone who is a victim has this inability to meet these certain things that need to get done and then they'll literally look to everyone around them convince them that they need them to do it for x y and z reasons so that Mm -hmm. they actually don't have to do it but they could they could very well do it they're just manipulating and they use that victim role as a source of like manipulative power which is Mm -hmm. crazy Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely and i think you know even when it comes to narcissism all of that can stem back to some sort of unhealed wound from childhood and and that's just like empaths right? They have this whole like narrative of, okay, you have narcissists and then you have the empaths, they say. Both are manipulative in their own way. Mm. Both are trying to control the emotions of other people in in their own way. Yeah, because an empath is like trying to keep everything balanced because they can't handle the swings, emotional swings. And, (laughs) And that's when you see like in childhood, you know, I find that situations can either you either go one way where you become this like narcissistic person who lacks empathy doesn't care about anybody anybody else really but themselves and then you see the other way where it's like okay now you have somebody who is basically pretending to be someone they're not because they're so afraid of making somebody else unhappy or so afraid of making somebody mad or setting somebody interesting 
is both of them are survival trauma, like trauma survival kickback loops, basically mm. in the sense of like, if you know what a, like a negative feedback loop in, is in science, it's basically the same thing, but psych- psychological and emotional. So like basically the negative feedback is that like they receive negative input as children, not doesn't have to be solely parental, but it can be anyone. And then because of that, they form these negative coping skills that aren't actually helping them process what's going on. And they choose one of two paths. They either shut off their ability to feel because it's too much or they don't know what to do with it all, or they feel so much that they have to try to adapt to be someone that maybe they're not to keep the peace. That's crazy. Right? It is. It is. And I figured maybe let's share some, I guess, ways to recognize if you're stuck in a victim mentality. Oh, yeah. I think a big one is like in your head, if something negative is happening to you and you just go, why me? Why does this always Mm. happen to me? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Really being super mindful of how you react in negative situations. I think it's probably happening to a lot of people. Oh, yeah. You just... It just feels like in the moment, it's only you. It's almost like you're manifesting that, the, like by by staying in a constant victim mentality of like, why me? This always happens to me. I can't believe this. Nothing ever works out for me. By staying in that mindset, you're manifesting that kind of situation or lifestyle or people that are going to do those things to you into your life. You're manifesting it because Think about your vibrational energy at that point. Yeah. That's where it's at. So that's all you're going to get. You're going to attract that into your life. Yeah. When it comes to manifesting, I truly believe that you notice what you're focusing on. So when you're in a victim mentality, you're so focused on being the victim that subconsciously you're just going to continue to attract situations that put you in that victim role because that's what you're focusing on. And Also with victim mentality is that it traps us into believing that we are always a victim of our circumstances, which then creates a lack mentality, which leads to feeling purposeless. You can easily fall into depression. And when you're focusing on how life is just going so wrong and you're focusing on what you don't have, you can't find that motivation within yourself to move forward. Your ambition is lacking. And so you end up repeating toxic cycles, feeling stuck. Because you just believe that life is out to get you. So with that way of being, it's really hard to notice opportunities mm, yeah, that are you're actually right in front of you, probably. Right, because you like basically shut yourself off to them. Yeah, I think that <clears throat> that can easily happen too. Like in it's like a little side tangent, but in toxic work environments where like you work in like an office setting or whatever, and you work with like a large group of people. If the overall vibrational energy of where you work is kind of like this toxic loop of like gossip and drama and hearsay, and you don't protect your energy from that, you'll very easily get sucked into it. And then you get like, you get burnt out at your job, you get depressed and you're like, I used to love my job and now I hate it. And sometimes it's not necessarily even the job, it's the environment which you work in. Oh yeah, absolutely. I noticed yeah. that in nursing and people will come up to me and try to talk to me about stuff like administrative stuff. And I'm like, first of all, I'm too new to even worry about this. And secondly, I'm not staying at this hospital for the rest of my life. So I literally don't care. I don't have the capacity to care about this, but it's easy to get sucked in. Oh, absolutely. Especially with those pers- like those personalities that really try to draw you in mm-hmm. so hard. 
I think when I was working a server job, I was probably in the myth of the most like victim mentality I've had. Well, actually, maybe that's a lie because I feel like our teenage years are probably the most because at that time, yeah, because at that time, you literally, you don't, you lack so much awareness, like so much self-awareness as a teenager because, well, at least in my experience, there's not many adults around who are helping you really deal with your emotions. At least I feel like that's how most of that generation of our parents were like, because they've been told to just ignore your emotions, ignore yeah. your feelings. Be yeah. seen and not heard is what they exactly. were told. So then you're you're really just not emotionally mature or aware at all. And so then you start fall, falling into this like, woe is me, like I hate my life, my parents are awful, everybody's out to get me, my friends are shitty, like, like why are my friends always gossiping about me or why is this happening? My teachers hate me, I can't even get a good grade, da 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 da. It's like one thing after another that you're just wallowing in all of it. There's so mm-hmm. much to unpack. Yeah, and as a kid, it's like having a a stable emotional presence of someone who's older than you who can kind of like shed perspective on like how, like validating how you're feeling, but also teaching you about how it's not just necessarily you and that there's going to be other, you know, challenging things that happen throughout your life and, you know, giving you, trying to help give you tools to deal with them is honestly one of the I feel like one of the biggest early on life propellers of like some people some people have massively different trajectories in life not to say that like you and I aren't successful I think that we are but I think there's a lot of emotional work that's had to happen in the background on our own account or our own accord which is fine because we're adults but I think there's it's probably far and few between though because you know what when I think about all the people that I've talked to and they come from I've had people who come from like very high income households to like people who are dirt poor. And it's like the parenting is still off kilter Mm -hmm. in different ways. And so the kids are still messed up just in maybe different ways. Yeah. And I think that's another thing that a lot of people who have come from like a lower income household can struggle with too, is believing that, you know, people who have money probably don't have any problems or, you know, probably don't struggle. And what I see sometimes is this whole uh, need for people to express that they're struggling more. Like that gives them some sense of validation where they're like, oh, your problems aren't as bad as mine. Right. My problems are worse. And that to me is also victim mentality. Okay. I don't mean this in the rudest way. I just mean it and like when it first hit pop culture, it was very like very a very like angry, like you need to be doing this or you're a bad person kind of mentality. And it's veganism. When oh. vegan first came on like the nutrition scene, and this is a side tangent, that's kind of how they were. They were kind of like very self-righteous and like, I can't believe you do that. That's awful. And, you know, I like that the the cultural shift of people who are vegan being like, it's fine that you eat meat, but like, maybe try this recipe. And you're like, holy crap, this is good. Maybe I could be eating vegan. Because I feel like that's more influential. And that kind of ties in what I think you were saying, which is like, Sometimes I think to you want to like alter your course very, very brutally, like out of victimhood. And I don't think that it's something that like you can be completely in it one day and completely out of it the next day. I think it's something that you have to like slowly progress. Oh, yeah. 
getting out of because otherwise you're gonna fall I think it's like eating bad food you're just gonna fall back on it because it's what you know it's what you're comfortable with and I think another Mm -hmm. thing to recognize when you're stuck in a victim mentality is so here's just an example you dated a lot of men and they all treated you absolutely shitty like terrible so now you're stuck in this mentality that all men are shitty and you go to a place where it's like you have to do all you can to prove that all men are shitty you don't treat men in a kind way because you've been so hurt by men in the past and this was something that I definitely struggled with um, when I was younger because, you know, starting with like my dad and just having all those issues with my dad and then attracting all these guys that just didn't treat me right. And then I was like, oh, I don't know if I can trust men. And I've, I see people around me too who can get stuck in that way of thinking where it's like now they kind of have this toxic mentality that like they categorize all men as shitty people right. because a handful of men hurt them. Mm, no I've seen that happen too and then like even even like um society can perpetuate it like that country song where she like sings about like I have a good one it's like why because the rest are all bad Mm, yeah it's like it's like again putting everybody in boxes that that mentality that I really cannot stand is when we're putting people into boxes (laughs) and we're classifying a certain type of person as all one which I've talked about this in my Pluto Aquarius podcast episode where I was like, if you classify as Republican or Democrat, you're seen as somebody who has all the same values and beliefs as like a Republican would have. But like I've seen Republicans in my own life who don't have the same views as the majority of Republicans and then Democrats who have different views than what like Democrats believe in. So it's like categorizing people into this one box like, oh, four guys hurt me. That means all men are shitty. It goes back to that whole mentality of like as humans, we want to just like have these like perfect little categories and boxes that we put people in. And so we like label everything and and separate everything into like our own little versions of like you belong over here and this belongs here and that belongs. And it's like a way of organizing and categorizing, but it's like, you can't really do that with people. That's why I hate labels. You are not required, in my opinion, to like, we shouldn't be required to put our race on every piece of paperwork. Like why, why does that matter? Sexual orientation. Why do you, you need to know my sexual preference of a sexual partner? That is none of your business. I shouldn't need to tell you that. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's just another way that an opportunity to create division. Well, my whole point to it is that like it creates the division, which creates opportunity for segregation, incivility, racism, hate crimes. It creates all those opportunities by like us having all these very rigid societal categories and outlooks and presentations put on people. And it's like, not that I want to like perpetuate like oh complete like free love and do whatever you want because there's also like an element of of safety to everything but at the same time it's like you have to ask yourself like sitting around and thinking just on your own like why do we even have these categories like when you apply for a job or you I mean I guess it's could you could say it's like equal opportunity right they're making sure that they're hiring enough men and enough women and whatever but at the same time it's like it would be it would also be interesting to see how things would play out if you didn't put your race on any form you didn't put your sexual orientation you didn't put your your biological sex on any of these forms it would be interesting to see how different the dynamics of like society and work environments and all innovation and all of that would be set up oh yeah i never actually really thought about that but that 
that is a thought to ponder. Because in my head, what it does is it creates opportunity for people on paper based on their actual skills, not these false exterior presentations of us, but our internal skills that we have. Maybe someone's got a good rebuttal on like how maybe that's not true, but that's kind of how I've always thought about it. Yeah, no, that that makes sense. So going back to off on side tangents. I know. No, we get oh, you get on the side tangents so easily. Oh, you know what I was going to talk about is like um, I found a quote on that holistic psychologist. You probably saw me post on my stories about it. Um, about emotional maturity, which I think also can play into people's like victim mindset and being stuck in that place, but also just like maturing emotionally and how like I think there's a concept that our parents as as young adults first of all we have this misconception that our parents are fully developed in every aspect which is not true especially emotionally they can be undeveloped and then also that like our parents know the answers to everything and they don't and so it's interesting because you think about some of the faults of like how people can get stuck in that victim mentality. This is interesting if you had a parent who was emotionally mature, because this says like emotional maturity has nothing to do with age, obviously, like I just said, it's the ability to self-regulate, self-reflect and hold space for other people's emotions. So if you think back to your childhood, there's been in my own personal experience, a lot of instances where my parents were not able to self self-regulate. They flew off the handle in very dysfunctional manners. They could never self-reflect. A lot of my issues with my mom was that she could never self-reflect on her behavior and how she was the owner of that ship. And then the last part of holding space for other people's emotions. She was never, she never allowed me and my sister to have our feelings. She was very invalidative of how we felt in situations. So that would be in my mind holding, she's not holding that space where we can have our emotions. And so it goes on to say a key trait of emotional immaturity is a desire to blame, deflect, or project issues onto other people, which when I think of all those things, I think victim mentality, right? So you're blaming other people for why you're stuck in the situation that you're in. You're deflecting your own accountability for how you could change your life so you're not the victim. And then projecting your issues onto other people is that concept of manipulating other people to do things for you so you don't have to do them because you're the victim. Mm-hmm. And I was so flabbergasted. So then it gives really good examples of like things people might say. So like you were saying, some things to recognize in yourself if you feel like, oh, maybe I am painting myself as a victim. Some of the externalizing things that you can say are emotionally immature people will say to you or say to other people, you're being so dramatic. Uh, I did that because you made me. That's one that I hate. Mm -hmm. No one made you do anything. No. You've lost touch with reality. My least favorite one that you're probably going to also hate is sorry, you're so sensitive. Oof. And then it goes on to just say like they mastered the art of deflection. Uh, Deflection is moving the focus from themselves to other people, which is basically, I think, not like not deflecting that they're the victim, but deflecting their responsibility in the role of that. So Oh, yeah, that's powerful. And then it, go- it goes on further. Like it says, like deflection looks like dominating conversations, interrupting or cutting someone off, passive aggressive comments, which are huge, weaponizing the past, stonewalling and shutting down or ignoring problems, which is what you were talking about, avoiding the issue, saying something, then blocking a person or walking away to avoid the, the conversation. 
Mm. So basically like you purposely shut them down. That would be, I think, not holding space for the other person. Yeah. I mean, and and this is all very difficult to navigate, especially for people who just have like a lot of like unresolved, unhealed wounds that are eating them up inside and their ego just so badly wants the attention. I would say if you're struggling too, like I might even recommend, I think that you've, I've definitely read it. I think that I recommended it to you at all point you read it which is like the Eckhart Tolle books if you feel like you're struggling with your ego and or like you are struggling to understand what it is I would go read like Eckhart Tolle like the power of now Mm. I think the other book is called that gave me a lot of perspective when I was like 20 21 on like what my ego was and how prevalent it really was and that kind of like can help launch you on your emotional maturity journey because you'll start to recognize in your own self things that you're doing internally like your internal voice that are making you really unhappy yeah those those books are very powerful um do you want to kind of talk a little bit about like our own struggles with victim mentality yeah go for it because i've been jib jabbing i'm a jabber jaw you have great insight all right so something that i actually kind of wanted to mention was so i was doing a lot of reflection as we were as i was preparing for this episode because i kind of was like hmm i wonder like how i've done this to myself before in the past and where this stemmed from and i was trying to be really like introspective and mm-hmm. i've realized something so i do think that i struggled for a really long time with my ego feeling not recognized and what i've realized is that of course, a lot of this stems from my childhood. So being a child who was constantly around people who had problems, like struggles from, you know, my dad struggling with addiction. My dad mostly like when I was home with my dad, when he got hurt at work, he then fell into a huge swing of depression and struggled with addiction. And he never would like leave the couch. He never wanted to get up. I off was the just going to say that. I remember him always on the couch. Oh, yeah. He slept on the couch. He ate on the couch. He lived and breathed on that damn couch. And there would be times where I would like go up to him and like want his attention or want to hang out or try to like you know, and it would be like completely shut down, like he was not interested at all. And then when he wasn't in that depressive shutdown state, it was like he was always angry, lashing out, being frustrated. And then growing up with one of my good friends who was going through loss of her parents at the same time, that was a lot. And there was a lot of like struggle there with trying to navigate that situation. And so what I've realized is that I think that I might have actually put myself into this role of if I'm not struggling, I'm not going to get attention because the people around me who are getting attention are the ones that are struggling. Mm, That's powerful. So I think I fell into this mentality of like, I can't have attention or good things in life unless I'm struggling. And I feel like I've actually like kind of self-sabotaged my own journey by then attracting struggle into my life Mm -hmm. where I felt like I had to literally struggle in order to be recognized for my achievements. If there was no struggle for that achievement, then it didn't matter. It It wasn't worthy. Yeah, it wasn't worthy of recognition. And that's why even when I started by, but deemed worthy by who and deemed worthy of recognition by who exactly like looking back on it, uh, it, 
it, yeah. it's like, why was I so stuck in this mentality? But again, I think it really stems from childhood and everybody around me struggling. And even from like my own parents, like, you know, when my dad like abandoned me in the parking lot because he was struggling at that moment. It's just something I've always really sh- ironically struggled with. And so, and so I was thinking the other day, like, even when I started my blog, a lot of what I used to talk about was like, you know, how I struggled to pay my bills on time because I had no money. I was living paycheck to paycheck, trying to make money through waitressing. And like, I kept painting myself as this, some kind of like victim of my circumstances. Like I struggled so much to get ahead. And now look at me, like I'm achieving this and I'm achieving that. And like, I'm getting myself out of this place of struggle. And now it's like, to a point where it's like when I do hit achievements where I feel like they kind of have come more easily to me, I'm like, am I even worthy of this achievement? It feels like this came so easily. Why should I even be acknowledging it? You know what I mean? I don't even yeah. know if I'm making sense. No, but you, I think you can celebrate your achievements. I think it's, first of all, I think it's a compound effect of, mm-hmm. of all, all of your actual hard work. And then I think it's the concept of like, you're not painting yourself solely as a victim anymore so it it, maybe you're not actually achieving them easier but it feels like you are because you're in this place of receiving gifts seeing opportunity more than non-opportunities more and then also the concept that like you know manifestation and you deserve these good things and realizing that's what you deserve and then I think to redefining who you are for yourself because like you said for a long time you were trying to define yourself based on like being blonde and being pretty and being good at fashion and makeup and it was like all forced on you from like society and friend groups and school and whatever and I do want to I do want to say that I did not think anything about my hair color (laughs) like I wasn't like oh I'm gonna be blonde because of Blondes are beautiful. I think right. it was just because my mom was blonde for a while. So I was I'm like following her. In my head, that's kind of like, that was like subconsciously by societal standards back when we were that young. Like think about all the people you were seeing, all the models, all the all swimsuit models, Victoria's Secret models, Playboy models, like all the girls, Pamela Anderson, like all the girls on TV that were like considered really, really hot. They were all blonde and that was a thing. And so I could see too how like it could even be like subconscious for some people, like the hair color they choose or like the way that they choose to dress because of, you know, what's kind of forced on us before, before social media. Oh yeah, no, that's true. And I think too, I think I just, I feel like as a society, a lot of us, I feel like I can't be the only one that feels this way because I feel like it's been conditioned to believe that we have to struggle or like work really hard and burn ourselves out in order to achieve things. And it's like, you don't have to, you have to get out of that way of thinking and realize that you can live an easy life. You really can. There was a video. So I always thought of discipline as a good thing until we interviewed Maddie. Then she kind of talked about it and it kind of honestly broadened my perspective on the word discipline and how it's used, especially, especially in the masculine realms mm-hmm. and the concept of what discipline is. And I saw a very masculine video of these guys who are like super jacked no necks not that I'm judging them but like just to give you a picture of how muscular like their traps were and they were just like discipline is like you wake up and you're tired you still do it anyway you wake up you don't feel like you still do it anyway you wake up and like and I commented on it and I was like if your discipline 
is to self-sacrifice rest and recuperation, that's going to damage your mental health in the long run. Discipline is understanding that like, okay, today I should go to the gym, but I'm more tired than I need to lift weights. So I'm going to take an extra nap today or have an extra nourishing meal and take the break that I need emotionally and do a Mm check-in psychologically. I was like, that's, that's true discipline Mm -hmm. in my mind. Oh, yeah, I I definitely agree with agree with you. There is when it comes to discipline, there is this mentality of kind of ignoring your own emotional needs in order to achieve things. And it's like, and and the whole concept of discipline goes back to that notion that you said, which is like, you have to do these, you have to struggle and it's going to be really hard and really awful to get to where you want to go. And it's like, well, if you have that mentality, you're not even enjoying the journey of how you got to where you were. No. And then when you get to where you were, are you even enjoying it? Because you were miserable the whole effing time. Exactly. Yeah, no, I totally, totally agree with you there. I would, I would rather enjoy the journey and like the learning opportunities that present themselves along the way than think, oh, I have to. I have to do this and I'm almost miserable. And it's, and again, I see it in that masculine realm where my husband does that, where he's like, I have to get this done, but I don't want to do it. So I'm going to do it kind of angrily. And I'm like, why are you slamming dishes? Why are you huffing and puffing? Like I, I, you've got to get it done either way. You might as well enjoy it while you're doing it instead of trying to do it like miserably. Yeah. And when I think back to if we're going back to like talking about the victim mentality, and I think something that helped me get out of victim mentality the most was Mm -hmm. practicing gratitude. Oh, that's a big one. Yeah, because when you're stuck in a victim mentality, you're mostly also looking at everything that you lack in your life. And you're in this ungrateful energy where like basically everything around you, you know, you feel worthless, you feel like life is worthless, you feel like you have nothing good in life. But when you start Mm -hmm. focusing on what you do have, and what you do appreciate, instead of waking up and being like, oh, I have to go to this awful job again, because that was me. Like, I'd be like, oh, I have to go to this awful job. I want to go to work. I hate this place. um, (laughs) I hate this place. I hate these people. I'm gonna throw this cheeseburger in someone's face. Literally. And it was really hard to get out of being in that work base because for a while I was like applying for jobs and stuff and I wasn't even getting callbacks because I wasn't qualified enough. And I was in, mm-hmm. a, in that moment, I wanted to be like, oh my God, I freaking hate corporate. Nobody wants to even give me the time of the day. Like everybody's out to get me. But then as I started focusing more on, okay, instead of being a victim of this circumstance right now, how can I create my own opportunities? And when right. I started getting in that mindset, that's when the opportunities started coming my way. I started, you know, on Pinterest, coming across all this content about creating your own blog, starting your own blog, making money online. And I was like, hmm, okay, let me now take that, move towards that and see what happens. And that's when everything started to shift and everything started to work out because I was looking in creating opportunity rather than wallowing in the fact that nobody wanted to give me the time of day. I think that's powerful. It takes, and I feel like it takes like one or two like small shifts, like planting seeds. And then over time, I think it like, it'll take a little bit of time. So I think the other thing that's realistic about your journey that I think, again, I've already said, but would be helpful to other people is realizing that like, you're not going to make a dramatic shift overnight. Like Mm. you didn't go right from working as a server immediately and like quitting and being like, I'm going to start my blog. And you kind of did it in like a way 
I mean, you did it in a way that was comfortable for you. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, everyone is different. But I think it's wise that you did it in a slow progression because I felt like that gave you space emotionally too along that journey of transitioning out of serving and into being a business owner and having an entrepreneurial mind, creative mindset in a way that you hadn't before and giving yourself that emotional space to grow in that way, like giving yourself that time frame of like, what was it like a year, year and a half? Yeah, within a year, I was making as much monthly as I was as a server, but I had not quit my serving job at that point because I was really cautious about when I wanted to quit. I wanted to make sure I had like three months saved worth of bills in case, you know, anything were to happen because self-employment, especially in the beginning, your income fluctuates and it's not reliable by any means. Things go up and down all the time and still to this day... I've had moments where, you know, I'm trying not to fall back into the mentality that I once was in that I have now been able to shift out of. So yeah, it it is, it's a lot being self-employed and I could even do an episode on, you know, self-employment and working through the fears and the unknowns of it and like, man. The other concept too, I think is that people think that like, I've seen this with you. I've seen it with Carlos when I used to work for him. I've seen it for my dad when he had his own businesses of like, people think that when you work for yourself, you're going to have all this free time. And it's actually the opposite. When you're an entrepreneur and you have your own business and like, first of all, you're passionate about it. And second of all, that's your baby. And the success of that baby is so determined by you. And you as the majority like input, you work hundreds of hours in one week because it's your own it's your own thing that you've created and you care so much for it. So I think sometimes there's that big misconception as oh, well. Absolutely. But- yeah. Especially in the beginning when I was trying to get it off the ground. Like there were nights where I would literally stay up until five AM just working on it and then going to sleep, waking up, going to work, and then coming back home and doing it again. And when you, like you said, when you're passionate about something, it's so hard to turn it off. Like I remember a few things launching my course, for example, I was so passionate about that course launch that I stayed up almost all night, couldn't get any sleep, just ready to like post it and, you know, see how it's, how people like responded to it. And there was just so much excitement around it. The adrenaline is like sky high it's a lot it's a lot doing something that you're passionate about and even still to this day when I'm doing things that I'm passionate about and like creating and posting and seeing people interact with it it just lights me up inside in different ways so I mean if you do want to go after something that you're passionate about I definitely recommend it but also I definitely recommend time management setting boundaries because I have forgotten to yeah. eat I have forgotten to shower I've forgotten to there's take been care times of she's come to visit and she brings her phone obviously she brings her phone but she can work from her phone and we've gotten in arguments because I'm like can you get off your effing phone I want to yeah. spend time with you and you're just like I'm stuck in this work thing I need to work and I'm like no stop working I know yeah it's it's hard it's hard and honestly I think um you know, it's hard to understand too, if you're not someone who has a business like that. Mm-hmm. And I definitely understand why that would be frustrating. Yeah. Like, Cause a lot your of attention. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when it's like, it's just someone that you, and like, you're just coming from a place of like, I love you. And I want to spend time with you. And they're like, but I just need five more minutes. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's tough. Like and and over the years, I've learned how to manage my time better. I think that yes. particular experience you're talking about was yeah. when I was first really first taking starting. off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was because now you'll be like, I'm not working. I'm, I have this dedicated time to do this stuff yeah. and this is what I'm doing. Yeah. And there's Which some is, things yeah. I can schedule other things that I can't. So I'm trying to like find balance when I do schedule vacations. Cause you also deserve a break, even as an entrepreneur who owns their own business, yeah. you still deserve that break. Even if you're passionate about something and you know, you should still take some downtime to to do your self-care as well oh yeah and that's a struggle in itself that I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs have is the struggle of being afraid to take breaks and being afraid to put it down yeah because on the internet they're like oh when you're sleeping someone else is working you're like so now I can't sleep either I know right like what the heck that's a a whole nother topic I was gonna say real quick too I think my personal experience with victim victimizing and that whole mentality mine has all been internal Mm. Because like externally, I've just done so much shit. I'm like, no, I'm just, I'm just gonna get this shit done. Like, and like feeling like I'm breaking boundaries in terms of like other people's perceptions of who I am and what I can achieve. Do you think that you uh, fell into that hyper independence? Probably, but internally, I would tell myself like, you're not smart enough. You're not good enough. You shouldn't be in this space. No one cares about you. No one loves you. Like, like very dark stuff, which is in a different episode. We had talked about why I couldn't keep up with the college amount of drinking because it was just mentally not healthy for me. And even now I don't really drink except special occasions, but it's because I would internalize that victimhood and it would become like so severe that it would all, it became self-hatred. And like self-loathing. And it's dangerous because those places lead you to suicidal ideations and other things that just like aren't safe. And you really start to believe like that you're not worthy and you don't belong on earth. And it's like, that's not a good place to be in. So I think the victim mentality internalized is very dangerous. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I would. would And it took an exterior person it took me going to therapy and then being really vulnerable with other people about what my thoughts really were. Because when I was growing up, like I said, there was no space held for my emotional feelings to express myself. So once I got with a partner who really kind of gave me that space, I'm like, what, what is going on with you? And making me feel like I actually had this space that was safe to share about it. And then them being like, well, that's not, you shouldn't be doing that. That's yeah. scary for me to for me to realize it so vulnerable in therapy is very important yes yes therapy can be really helpful it's scary but it's it's worth it because everyone belongs here oh absolutely definitely and I think one last thing because I can't even believe we've been talking this long already happens every time thing I kind of wanted to mention too was something that I've noticed for myself in particular is when I was in a victim mentality Uh, The way that I was talking about my trauma was a lot different than how I talk about it now. Mm. And when I was in a victim mentality, uh, when I talked about my trauma or when I talked about my past, especially with my dad, it was from a place of like, you could tell that I was angry, that I was hurt, that I was kind of like, not hateful, but it did kind of feel like it was fueled by hate. And I wanted to just blame him for the way that my life was turning out the way that everything was unfolding in my life and like yeah is there certain things that happened in my childhood that kind of molded my perspective my mindset and how I view 
the world around me, of course. But now that I'm at this age and I'm learning a lot about my emotions and I'm learning a lot about the fact that my my dad had his own unhealed wounds that he was dealing with, I knew that if I kept going in that victim mentality and painting him as this person who completely destroyed my life or whatever I would, you know, however I felt about him at the time, it wasn't really doing me any justice in my opinion. And it was just holding me back a lot. And it also didn't give him the opportunity to really show me that he was willing to work on our relationship. So as I started to change my perspective around all of that, the way that I was reacting towards his communication towards me was from a less aggressive space, if that makes sense. So when Mm -hmm. I was in victim mentality and I was trying to fix things with him, I saw everything that he said as a trigger essentially. And I just wanted to like respond in a reactive way. Like there's been many times where we were trying to fix things, even at like we went on this vacation together and every little thing that he did pissed me off. (laughs) It it wasn't even like he was trying and he wasn't even being like that rude. Unhealed resentment. You didn't even. It was the resentment coming up. Breathing makes me want to pound your face in. Honestly, that's what, that's what was happening. And, and it was like, I, I couldn't even give our relationship opportunity for growth, healing, and a fresh start because I was still so stuck on holding on to the past and the resentment that I had. So again, and then when I was telling my story to people or when I was sharing about my my past, I was kind of painting him in this way that like, oh my gosh, like he's an awful person, da, 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 in which has he done some shitty things in the past? Absolutely. But I do believe, and not everybody will change, but I do believe that some people can change. And I think that we have to, as a collective, maybe welcome that more because I do feel like Mm. we're so quick to want to like cancel people. Yeah, exactly. And we're so quick to want to like see the bad in everybody. And it's just all of this toxicity that's just painted to us, even in the news daily. And it's just like, if we can just have a little bit of mercy and grace for some people and just let the opportunity for change unfold rather than being so defensive and shut down and closed off. Um, And again, I know that'll be different for everybody because we all go through our own shit and like- Or holding people to like this standard of who they once were. Yeah, I have a friend who's like, she's like a holistic nutritionist and she's had a YouTube video go really viral like a few years ago when she said like how she healed her gut through veganism and she's not vegan anymore, but she hasn't told her followers that because she's like, they have such a strong impression- of me being vegan. And if I tell them that I'm not, there's going to be so much backlash. And I'm like, you don't want followers who are so close-minded to this journey of opportunity. Like you are growing and experimenting with your own diet and it you should be able to have this space. And we, this is again, like emotional maturity as a society. We're not emotionally mature because we're not holding emotional space for people to progress mm-hmm. into the next versions of themselves. We're saying like, this is who you are. This is who you've defined yourself as. And we're going to hold you there. And yep. that's all that you can be. And that's, uh, and that's how it is in society too, where we're holding on to old ways of doing things especially in the United States, it kind of feels like we're falling back even. (laughs) And it's like, what is the only constant in life? Change. Yep. I really want to, in my own life, I think a value of mine is allowing people to have the opportunity to change and Mm -hmm. not holding people to like this. 
yeah, you know, because I feel like everybody wants to hold on to past versions of people. And it's like, no, like, as humans, we actually can change. Yeah, a lot you know of the what? time that we're not seeing it is because we're not allowing people the opportunity to show us. You know what? Now that you think about it, we've been friends for so long that sometimes I feel like I'm being supportive, like verbally to your journeys of like developing things. But I feel like maybe like emotionally, I'm not as open as I like to pretend I am because I have strong versions of of different versions of you, if that makes any sense. Um, So it's like, I also need to process that like, you're not exactly the same person we became friends with. Oh, yeah, absolutely. When we first became friends, we're not the same people. No. And even in your relationship with Trevor and in my relationship Mm -hmm. with Josh, you know, we're not the same people we once were. But what I love so much about our relationship and my relationship with Josh, for example, is that through our own growth and journey, we grew together rather than apart. Mm. And I think that means something. I think that means that I really do think that that means that we have a special place in each other's lives because I have had other friendships where we changed, but we grew apart. You know, Mm. I really do think that people come into your life either for a reason or a lesson. It's like a blessing or a lesson in my opinion. Oh, we're trademarking that. So don't even think about it immediately after this conversation. So that's just what, that's just my opinion. I really do think that we need to give more grace and allow people to show us that they can change rather than being so closed off to thinking that they never will. Mm -hmm. And that's just my perspective. And I'm all about change. And everybody knows that because I have changed so much since I first started my journey. Like I I talk about things that I never talked about before. Right. We can't hold each other to these rigid concepts. No, absolutely not. And now I know this episode was kind of like all over the place a little bit, but hopefully there was some good tidbits that you guys got out of it. Yeah, we never promised to make any sense. No, <laughs> no, we just kind of speak and go with the go with what comes up in our conversation. But I enjoyed I enjoyed this episode. So it's organic. So that take take that for what what you will. We're both in our pajamas. So I'm here for it. All right, guys. Well, until next week. Thank you for listening.